Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. What's going on, everybody? This is Sean Baker from the Sean Baker Orchestra and the Ronnie Monroe Band. Just telling you to turn your speakers up loud because you're listening to Talking Metal. Mark Striegel, John Astronomy, the Talking Metal Podcast, coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly, and now your hosts, Mark and John. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. I am here with Mark Striegel at the Marriott Marquis Hotel, Midtown Manhattan. Yeah, good to be back, John. Welcome back. You were, of course, on 500, which has just done amazing. 15,000 downloads and counting, our biggest episode since the Vivian Campbell episode back in 2013. So it's just doing gangbusters. It was a nice long episode, five great guests. Somebody even wrote in saying that they thought, I had one person tell me they thought you were funnier than Bud Friendly on that episode. And then I had another person, I had another person ask me if you are actually Bud Friendly, just doing two voices. Uh, nah, you know what? I wish I could do a Bud Friendly style voice, but sadly... I only have one voice, and that's this terrible one that I've got. <laughs> anyway, I wish I, I wish I could do voiceovers um, and do cool little sounding things like Bud Friendly, but I just don't have that wit. Yeah, very good. Anyways, that was a great episode, and I'm glad you guys enjoyed it, and I'm glad uh, so many people tuned into it because the two episodes since 500 have also done above average and done well. So if you're a new listener and you're you're checking us out for, you know, the first time or you've you know this is your fourth or fifth or third episode, uh, thanks and welcome to Talking Metal. We hope to have you along on the ride for a while. Some sad news this week, we heard Wayne Static of the band Static X has passed away. Yeah, I was really shocked. I saw that on uh, Facebook, which is where I seem to find out uh, a lot of news lately. And, uh, man, uh, really shocked. Uh, He was only 48 years old. 
Um, I followed him in his career uh, a bit and uh, definitely just a very tragic loss and, and definitely wanted to point out that uh, contrary to early reports that the, it was drug-related, um, the his people put out a statement saying that it absolutely was not drug-related. We actually did get a press release from his publicist, uh, Talking Metal, that is, got a press release from his publicist saying exactly that and making it clear that there's no reason for anyone to believe that this was a drug overdose. And his wife said something similar in an interview she gave or a press release she gave. So it's it's a shame. There was a few rock stars on Twitter who I think jumped the gun assuming that because Wayne had had drug problems in the past that he had overcome in recent years. Uh, so I guess some people assumed that, and it's a shame that people would throw that out there without knowing all the facts. So uh, very sad. Anyways, I do think Static X actually had some some great songs, and this is a song that Wayne did actually with Jonathan Davis. It was on a movie soundtrack for Queen of the Damned. And again, this is Wayne Static along with Jonathan Davis, and the song is Not Meant for Me. You think you're smart.
That was not meant for me from 2002, Wayne Static. Hey, John, I was just, I got into the city early because Jimmy Page is doing, it's kind of like a book signing. I'll explain it in a minute, but down in Union Square. So they they said if you show up at 10 a.m., you pick up a wristband. Then you come back at 7 p.m. when Jimmy Page will be there. So I came into the city early before work, went down there, and did not get a wristband. There was a line of people lining up just for the wristbands. Again, the signing is tonight, but the wristband line went two New York City blocks. Unbelievable, but believable. Uh, I can believe that that many people would show up for Jimmy Page. And what's pretty amazing is this is not the line to go to the signing. This is just the line for people who come in early, the beginning of the day, to get a wristband. Boy, I'm sorry that you didn't get one. It's all right. It's all right. Um, you know, the the funny thing is that it they're calling it a signing, but in some ways it's not even a signing because he's not doing any signing. He has a stamp, and he's stamping the books. So you don't really even get his autograph, and there's absolutely no photos allowed. So basically you stand in line, and he's going to sell you a book that he will then stamp, which I thought was a little crazy. I mean, I've, never, I've been to many book signings. I always get usually an autograph and then yeah. sometimes a picture. Yeah, that's pretty crazy, um, a stamp. Uh, what I would, would have rather happened is that he pre-signs the books and then you just go up and he hands it to you or something like that. That would Because then you'd at least be getting a real signature. But a stamp, that, that's a little weird, if you ask me. Yeah, personally, I, I thought it was a little crazy. I guess I was hopeful that if I would have gotten the book signed that I maybe would have somehow ended up with a uh, photo. Yeah, there's this other thing that I hear that some people do, and it's called uh, auto pen. And, and it's some kind of a thing where a computer you know, uh, scans an autograph and then, uh, like some kind of robot arm has a pen on the end and then, uh, the computer makes that arm, you know, mimic a, you know, an actual signature. So it's signed with a pen in somebody's handwriting, but not necessarily by them. That's, that's something too, that kind of, to me is sort of like a stamp, but, but I think that's kind of funny. It's like, uh, I can just picture Jimmy Page, like you open your book and he goes bang and he stamps it like, you know, like you're stamping something at the bank or something. That's pretty funny. Interesting stuff, and just crazy to see how many people were out there. Re- the real hardcore, you know, Zeppelin patches and shirts and the, the Looney Bin guys, if you will, uh, the diehards. We got Sean Baker on the podcast today. He's been a longtime uh, member of the Talking Metal family. I'm psyched to talk with him and hear some of his music. But right now, let's get into a little Jimmy Page. This is Coverdale Page with Whisper a Prayer for the Dying.
nations, those bodyguards of life. For guardian angels waste their time, and every mother cries.
was some Coverdell page from 1993. I remember back in the back in the old days, as I like to say, uh, I had a Cherry Red gig. That's the band uh, for for anyone who doesn't know, which is probably most people. Um, that's a band that I was in uh, in the early to mid 90s. It was an all-girl band with the exception of me. And then that band later became the Minks, which uh, Emily, Mark's wife, became the lead vocalist of. So a little history there. But I remember one day we were playing, and uh, I remember KG, the guitar player, said, well, I guess no one will be showing up at our gig because Led Zeppelin's playing the garden. And I believe it was Coverdell Page playing the garden that night. Yeah, which was a hard ticket to get. I remember trying to get tickets for that, and it was... Either that or it was Plant and Page. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that would have been Plant and Page at that time, I think. Yeah, yeah, because Plant and... I remember the walking into Clarksdale record or whatever that was. They did a, a concert at the Garden for that, and that uh, was a very hard ticket to get. Uh, cover, I, which, mm, I don't know. I'm trying to think of... That would have been like 95-ish? Yeah, you know what? I think that was Plant and Page, so sorry about that. I do have one more Zeppelin-related story. I actually saw Robert Plant with his solo band at Irving Plaza. So that was a very, very cool gig. Very. How long ago? Um, this had to be in the, between 2002 and 2006. One of my favorite bands, and sadly I've never seen any of the members perform live, uh, which is just sucks. Um, and I've had opportunities, but I just you know haven't haven't done it. And uh, Page doesn't play much live. It's pretty rare that you you get the the chance to see him. I mean, the, the, probably the last time he played in New York City was the um, MSG concert you were referring to back in like '95 ish. Yeah. Hey, you know what, Mark? Uh, wanted to mention. Speaking of uh, great classic rockers, um, and speaking of the Garden, I actually saw Cream at the Garden. And uh, Jack Bruce has also passed away. Yes, yes, he has. Somebody who played a, a big role in influencing heavy metal with the the sound, and and also you know putting forth that 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 first first kind of version of of the hard rock trio, if you will. You know that went on to influence so many bands from you know Rush to even you could say Winery Dogs. I mean, so many three pieces through the years. And they were they were truly, I believe, the first. Now I know Jim, the Jimi Hendrix experience was also a three piece. I'm not sure which one of those came first, but uh, maybe Cream was e- either the first or second. I'm not sure. Yeah. So yeah, uh, another uh, sad, sad passing. Ah, uh, my yeah. So in in Ace News, we just did the uh, Chiller Theater Expo. Yeah. How'd that go? It went really well, um, but I didn't really walk around the, the expo at all, so I didn't see anybody. Usually a bunch of people come uh, to Ace's room, and I wind up uh, you know, seeing a few people, and then I also take a walk around and, and meet a few people. But this time, literally, we were just so busy that I, I didn't walk around at all. But I had a couple of funny uh, experiences. I was in the elevator, and... Uh, Brutus Beefcake. I think that's a wrestler. He was there. And I, I go, hey, Brutus. I, I don't know if that's what uh, he likes to be called. But <laughs> I, I had met him before. A bunch of wrestlers came in. and uh, but, but that was my one funny story. But Because uh, what do you say? Hi, Mr. Beefcake. You know, you, know, you, you don't really know what to say to Brutus Beefcake. So, and my girlfriend was like, ah, you, that poor guy was just trying to get up to his room. And you're accosting him. And all that. I didn't accost him. I just said, uh, hi, Brutus. And I said, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Very good. Very good. 
Good stuff. Anyways, let's get into some music right now. This is the Sean Baker Orchestra with Which Way to Radioland, followed by my interview with Sean Baker. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and on the line we have Sean Baker, a guy who's been a part of the Talking Metal family for a long time. Sean, how are you, man? Very good, my friend. How about yourself? 
I'm great. Now I'm trying to think. I, I really think you've probably only been interviewed by us once. Does that sound right? Yes, sir. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm thinking about maybe the time Baker's Dozen, which was my last instrumental album, came right. out. Uh, I think I think we did something over. It was one of the live shows, and it later became a podcast. Right, so you've only actually spoken on the podcast once. However, we hear your music in almost every episode. I, I use it usually as an audio audio bed getting into the the show, and there's a few songs we we use. And uh, sp- specifically, I always like to use uh, "Which Way to Radio Land." Such a great melodic, heavy song. So good. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Bad, uh, it's kind of a funny story behind that song, actually. Um, I'm kind of a heavy metal fanatic to a T, or I mean, almost to a fault to a certain extent. And when I first wrote that song, I came up with the, the main riff actually first. And I had actually gone to the band after I'd written it before I put uh, melodies over it and asked them if they thought it was okay if I used that song for the record because I, I almost felt uh, it was a little too cheesy of a riff to be on a heavy metal album to a certain extent. Um, but to be quite honest with you, after uh, all the parts had been written and it was uh, mixed and everything, it's actually still to this day one of my favorite uh, instrumentals that uh, that I have written. I had a, a great uh, comment from somebody not that long ago. Actually, the head of Shred Guy Records contacted me and asked if I would send him a copy of, of Baker's Dozen. I was like, sure. And he sent me an email a few days later and says, I just want you to know I'd listen to literally hundreds and hundreds of guitarist and shred songs on a daily basis. And I want to tell you that I thought this is the best one I've heard in a long time. So uh, wow. for a song that I wasn't even sold on myself and yeah. was actually considered not even putting it on, it's actually become kind of a staple in our live show. And, and obviously you guys use it quite a bit as well, too. So it's, it's really an honor to, uh, to kind of see it from a different standpoint now, but also very thankful to you guys for giving me a lot of the exposure because you guys use it so much. Oh, it's such a good song, and it's so many good songs you have. Even going back to the first record, there's so many great tunes off of that one. Like I like was the Butterfingers, that opening yes, track sir. with that like slap bass. That was the probably one of the first songs I ever heard by you, and uh, just pulled me in right away. What do you remember about that for doing that first record? It was a while ago at this point, 2004. Any memories of doing the original Sean Baker Orchestra record? Oh, my God, I don't even know where to start. Yeah, I mean, that was really a game changer for me to a certain extent. Um, Butterfingers is actually the very first instrumental song I've ever written in my life. Um, I was a big uh, poster on a message board for the Racer X band, and uh, a couple of the guitarists that were on there decided to put together a board compilation CD of, of guitarists that posted uh, quite a bit on the message board. And uh, we had a couple of guys that were going to mix it and master it and actually put it out. Well, I went in and recorded uh, Butterfingers with a buddy of mine that was a great bass player, the guy that plays Slap at the beginning. He was a big poster on the Racer X board as well. So we got such a great response from it. Um, I had just finished a, a vocal or Basically, I think it was like 17 tracks of a vocal band I was working with at the time. And by the time we, or before we had a chance to finish the CD, the band had disbanded. So I had these 17 leftover tracks that had no vocals, no finished guitars, uh, no melodies to speak of as far as from a guitar standpoint. And since everybody gave me such uh, high praise on, on Butterfingers, 
I ended up turning, I think, 11 of those songs from that vocal project into the very first SBO album. So not a whole lot of people know that that album was actually written for vocals first and, and became wow. instrumental you know, later on. That is interesting. And and what were the, the guys that played with you? Who were the guys that played with you on that record? Are they uh, the same guys who've been with you all along? Um, no, unfortunately. Everybody still I'm very close with and very good friends with. Um, the bass player was a, a lifelong friend of mine that I met in school by the name of Terry Allen Martin. And the drummer on that one was actually a very sweet and humble guy. Uh, we call it Big Daddy. His name is Kevin Grosser. And he actually ended up moving at least in Nashville a few years um, prior to that getting released. So that, actually, that album, I can say it on the shelf, I want to say maybe a year and a half, two years before I had actually turned it into instrumental. Um, but no, I think really the thing that's been a blessing in disguise is using the name of Sean Baker Orchestra because I, I'm lucky enough to have such a, a, a wide circle of friends and all of them are very talented. Or it seems like most of them are um, very talented musicians. So the fact I can use guys on one album and sometimes on the next and not bring in another group of friends or uh, I've been lucky to have some uh, pretty spectacular guest uh, appearances on a couple of my CDs. So I think the orchestra thing has actually worked out good for me yeah. in that sense that I can bring people in and out, so to speak. Absolutely. And of course, you've had Joe Stump, I believe, played on Baker's Dozen, the second record, yes, right? Yes, sir. And yes, Bruce... Joe and Bruce Bouillet was on both records, was it? I think Bruce has actually played on all three at this point. He played a little bit on the first one, and I think he just fixed some mistakes. I don't think he played a, a, a full song. I think he just fixed a bunch of stuff for me, if I remember correctly. And then we wrote a song called Playing Possum Together, which he played guitar on. Um, and then I was lucky enough to have an unbelievable shredder by the name of Rusty Cooley played on a song called uh, Verbal Skills. Nice, nice. And both of those were off the second record, which was called Baker's Dozen. And that's you right. just mentioned a third record. So that's exciting news to me. There is a third record in the works right now? Yes, sir. Very, very, very pleased uh, with this one. Um, it's actually, I sent it to Bouillet, Bruce Bouillet from Racer X last week, I believe. And he sent me probably 10 texts in the last two days uh, regarding he started mixing, um, I believe, yesterday. Um, so I'm extremely excited. It's the best-sounding CD I've been fortunate enough to do. I think my songwriting's gotten a little bit better, which I'm pleased with. Uh, there's actually two vocal songs on this one, which is wow. kind of a strange thing for me. I never thought I would do it, but uh, the gentlemen that happen to be singing on both songs are huge, huge influences on me, and I they still am pinching me to this day that both these gentlemen even sang on my album, so I'm, wow. I'm pretty pleased. Well, I'm very excited to hear that, Sean. A third album, guys, on the way from the Sean Baker Orchestra. When do you expect that the uh, general public will hear this? Well, last uh, I talked to the head of the label, uh, which is going to be released on a different label this time. I've been, uh, my first CD, I think I put up myself, um, Baker's Dozen was released by Lion Music, and this one's going to be called Game On, and it's going to be released through Shred Guy Records. Um, cool. The last I talked to the head of Shred Guy, I was told sometime in December of this year. So of this year? Right wow. around the corner. Wow. Which is amazing, because I actually finished the CD, I'm going to say, three weeks ago. I finished the last bit of recording three weeks ago, and it'll be out in December, which is, is a pretty quick turnaround. That's really. a very quick turnaround. Great. Well, cool. I can't wait to hear this. 
Guys, Thanks. December 2015, we will be on the lookout for it. Please let us know if we can, you know, debut a track on the podcast. We'd love to do that. Oh, absolutely. Without even thinking, you, you will, as soon as I have a copy of the, the mix, you'll have a copy. Now, it's kind of interesting that this is such a quick turnaround because your, your buddy Bruce Bouillet, his record, The Order of Control, which I think is just, just great sounding, amazing yeah. sounding record. It took so long for it to come out. I, I, I almost feel like there was a, a couple little things in the press about it. And then it took like another like six to eight months to come out. Any idea why it took so long for that record to come out? Yeah, actually, that's a great question. Uh, Bruce actually worked on that album. I'm going to guess a year and a half to two years. He had a bunch of songs recorded and then he rewrote songs. I mean, he really worked hard on it. And, and obviously, if you've listened to the CD, it's one of my all-time favorite CDs. Obviously, I'm a little biased um, because he is my best friend. But uh, it's, that album actually inspired me so much that uh, it crossed over into my new album as well. The big reason why it got held up is Bruce was going to put it out on his own and actually had... Um, I don't know what the numbers was, but I know when we went on tour, he had CDs of the order of control that he was going to sell. Now, by the time he had them pressed, he had scored a deal with Mascot Records, which uh, was going to repress it, use all the same... I think the artwork was a little bit different now that I think about it, but used the same exact uh, mastered copy that he used. And they, like you said, turning around the CD, um, when you usually make a CD, sometimes it, it sits around for about six months before it even gets put out. So by the time Mascot put it out, which I believe was January of this year, um, Bruce, I think, had a few hundred or possibly a thousand CDs produced, I want to say in June or July. So he had to take them immediately off of all of his websites, off of CD Baby, all that, because... Uh, mascot had resumed that role once they had uh, scored a contract between the two of them. Right. Okay. So that was just strictly their call, waiting to release it for whatever yep. reason. Right. Yep, cool. Well, it's, it it's a great record, guys. If you haven't heard Bruce Bouillet's "The Order of Control," I highly recommend it. And Sean, you're on that record, right? Uh, no, unfortunately, you're I get teased oh, about got... that all the time. No. So well, you just did some, I thought you played on a song or something. No, no, I wish. Actually, I'll give you a little information on, on the song that I did with him on my album. No, all my buddies still to this day tease me that because I, it's, I'm, I feel extremely blessed. Don't get me wrong. Um, I was lucky enough to go on tour with him. And uh, when you go on tour with a guy that's been in a band uh, with Paul Gilbert and have to redo some of their songs, I, it, it's kind of a funny joke. And I don't mean any disrespect to whose name I'm the throat here, but I, I would often tease um, Bruce about, hey, man, why couldn't you have been in a band with Mick Mars or something? Why did it have to be Paul Gilbert? And we would laugh. And no disrespect towards Mick Mars. Obviously, he's fantastic as well, but it was just kind of a funny thing. Um, no, I... When you're as good as Bruce Bouye, you don't need a knucklehead like me playing on your CD. All right. But I, I was definitely... Uh, surprised to even be asked to be in his, his touring band because obviously when you have skills like him you could pretty much pick anybody you want to to play second guitar yeah now having said that um for my new record i wrote a song that i wanted to pay homage to all of my heroes from the shrapnel records era which i know you're well versed in oh yeah um so I got a friend of mine, Mark Rizzo, who's the guitar player for Soulfly and Cavalier nice. Conspiracy, who yeah. also did a couple solo albums on Shrapnel. Um, a gentleman you may have heard of by the name of Toby Knapp, okay. who had done a, um, an album with uh, Ray from Korn on Shrapnel back in the 90s. Right. And then, obviously, I had asked Bruce. 
to do um, some solos as well. So one of the tracks on my new album is called Shrapnel in My Ear, and it has me trading solos with uh, the aforementioned folks that were once on Shrapnel Records. Great stuff, great stuff. I can't wait to hear that. And going back to the the fact that you were out with Bruce touring and doing mm-hmm. Racer X songs, I saw a uh, a video of you guys doing that. What's that instrumental Racer X? Scar- uh, scarified? Scarified. Yep, scarified. Yeah, yep. and it, it was just sounded awesome. So much fun to see you guys do that. That was the that was one of the highlights of my life, definitely. Um, growing up, Racer X was probably the biggest influence on me as far as being a guitar player, and I'm sure there's a lot of guitars my age that would say the same thing. Uh, like I said, to be on stage playing with one of the guys and doing Scarified, which was like the, it was the go-to instrumental song when we were growing up, or the one that you point out, like, man, I wish I could play like that someday. To actually be up there doing it was uh, was mind-blowing. And one of the guys that sings on my new album as well is Jeff Martin from Racer X. Oh, wow. I did a song with him. It, it, it is mind-blowingly good. Um, he, he killed it. It almost sounds like Jeff Martin from Racer X singing a Slipknot song, so I'm really oh, awesome. proud of the song. It's really, really good. I, I probably listened to it 700 times in the first hour after he sent it back to me once he was done, and he, he hit it out of the park, man, big time. Now, he's an interesting guy because Jeff Martin was a guy who was known not only for being a great singer in bands like Racer X, but he also had a career as a drummer, right? Yes, sir. I believe he's on either one or two Badland CDs, uh, the J.K. Lee band, after he had left Ozzy. Um, yeah, I, I think you replaced on, Eric Singer in Badlands. I believe so. Yep, I believe you're absolutely 100% correct. Um, I know he was going on tour, I believe, with George Lynch and played drums uh, for some solo shows. And he may even did a stint with Don Dawkins, if I remember correctly. But uh, hmm. Jeff is an unbelievable drummer. Um, obviously, his pipes are pretty well known because of the Racer X thing. But his drum skills are unbelievable. He's played on a couple of uh, Paul Gilbert solo albums, if I remember correctly, as well. And he is an extremely skilled drummer, that's for sure. Good stuff. Good stuff. And we definitely have to talk about the Ronnie Monroe record you did this. uh, I don't know when you did it, but it was released this year. It's Electric Wake by Ronnie Monroe, who we all know from Metal Church. And he has a solo record out, and you're doing the guitars on it. It Sounds sounds fantastic. Where did you guys record this? Um, We recorded the majority of it here in Detroit. Um, I've been working with the same engineer for a good 10 years, done a lot of my instrumental stuff. And um, Bruce actually did some uh, producing on it. Um, I had actually gotten into the, the Ronnie Monroe band. I can't remember. It's probably been a year, year and a half, I guess, by now. And a lot of Electric Wake had already been uh, written between uh, Paul Clough, who's the other guitarist in the band, and he actually plays in my live instrumental band as well. And Ronnie had a lot of the songs together. So when they had contacted me, um, I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then when I heard the songs that they had, they had written as, uh, as demos, I was like, oh, my God, this album is great. Um, hadn't played in the vocal band for quite a while, so it felt good to just be a guitar player to a certain extent. Right. But I have to say, um, Ronnie was, is fantastic. Great human being, great dude to work with. Um, his pipes are out of this world unbelievable sense of melody. Uh, I just can't say enough great things. And here I am pushing the album again. The yeah. other vocal spot on this album is Ronnie Monroe. Oh, on, on your song. album. Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, great, sir. great. Cool. And it, he, he did a great job, man. 
Excellent. Well, I can't wait to hear that. And the uh, Electric Wake record by Ronnie Monroe also had some other pretty heavy guest, <laughs> guest stars, right? Like George Lynch is on there. Yes, George Lynch plays on the song, which is unreal, and it's a great song as well. I believe you guys actually played it. Uh, you and John played it a few, maybe a month or two back. It's probably been longer than that, I guess. Um, yeah, what was that one called? Was that like Ghosts or Ghosts? Or, ghosts uh, yeah, yeah, right? George yeah. Playtime Ghosts. Yep, yep. Great cookie song. I, I love the song. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's still one of my favorites on the album. And um, Dave Rude, who's actually one of the guitarists in Tesla, and Pamela Moore did a guest appearance on one song as well. That is, is, they both knocked it out of the park as well. Great job, great song. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. So where's the best place that people can go to get in touch with you online, Sean? Um, i got to be honest with you. I'm one of them goofy Facebook people, man. For some reason, I get addicted to that stupid page. I've been on Twitter. I do the Instagram thing a little bit, but that's more or less for family and whatnot. But I do have a uh, Facebook page for my instrumental band, uh, the Sean Baker Orchestra. And I do have a personal page on there as well. And, and if you're interested in any of the Ronnie Monroe stuff, which I believe we start uh, writing for that here in the next couple of weeks, um, you can contact uh, us via Ronnie's Facebook page as well. Okay. So just to back up there, you said you, you're going to be doing more writing with Ronnie? Yeah, actually, uh, the song that we did for my album is fantastic, and it re-sparked uh, uh, a flame in Ronnie that he said he hasn't had in a long time, which I took as, as a great compliment, because like I say, I, I adore Ronnie's skills. And restart writing, actually, I've already started writing for the next Ronnie Monroe album as well. Oh, wow, because I feel like Electric Wake just hit the shelves not too long ago, earlier this year, uh, right? June 17th. Yeah, that, here's a funny one. I know you're a big Kiss fan, and maybe only guys our age will get this. Um, if, if, in fact, um, my instrumental album, Game On, gets released in December, that'll be the second album I've released in six months. So I kind of feel like I'm in, I'm in Kiss, and it's 1978. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. Yeah, those first, like, even Zeppelin, too. Those first couple, the first three yep, Zeppelin right. records were, like, released in, like, a year and a half or something. You know, it's like. Yeah, you're right. No, it's yeah. unbelievable. I can't believe that they had either a backlog of that much uh, great um, songs or, I mean, where they're just writing constantly. I yeah, I don't know. all those 70 bands for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sean, it's great to connect with you again, and we encourage all the Talking Metal listeners to go check your Facebook page out. We will have it linked through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. And definitely go to iTunes, guys, and download some Sean Baker Orchestra download the ronnie monroe electric wake record i actually bought a, a digital or a, a not a digital a physical copy of it and i appreciate you thanking awesome. thanking us in the liner notes sean oh you guys have been huge uh great people you guys are you work hard at what you do and all of us metalheads are lucky to have guys like you and john carrying the torch for us sometimes us metalheads get swept under the carpet a little bit uh but as long as we got guys like yourself doing a great job and, and spreading the word, hopefully uh, we'll all be carrying that torch high, my brother. Yeah, you bet. And as long as we have guys like you making such great music, we will be spreading the word. And that's going to do it. Let's get into some Sean Baker Orchestra right now. What do you want to play for the listeners? We've Maybe something we don't play much. I know we've played uh, Dukes of New York. We play Which Way to okay. Radioland, uh, Butterfingers. Why don't you pick something that maybe we haven't played on the podcast? Awesome, brother. I appreciate it. Um, first song that came into my head as soon as you asked me is the song Verbal Skills, which does feature Rusty Cooley, and that's off my Lion Music release, Baker's Dozen. Uh-huh. 
Here it is, guys, the Sean Baker Orchestra.
What you just heard was Sean Baker, preceded by Mark's interview with Sean Baker. One of the artists that I truly consider part of the Talking Metal family. He's been there from the beginning. We've used his music all over the place and uh, just a great, great guitar player. Yeah, absolutely. And we will hear a little more from him in just a bit, some of his work with Ronnie Monroe, so stay tuned for that. But I wanted to remind everybody to support Talking Metal by using our Amazon links. If you go to TalkingMetal.com and you open up Amazon by using the links on TalkingMetal.com to get to Amazon, we get a kickback on that. And it would be really great if you could help us out with that, guys, because the, the holiday season is coming, and I know a lot of people are going to be doing Christmas shopping online. So definitely use those Amazon links to open up your Amazon and keep Talking Metal afloat. So, John, I wanted to tell you I'm planning to come down to the New Brunswick show, the opening night of the Ace Tour, and very curious about the set list. Well, uh, let me tell you. You can't probably reveal (laughs) anything, but... Yeah, well, here's some of the the givens, and and then you guys can extrapolate on some of this. So, Richie Scarlet is back, which is going to open up uh, the forum for some tunes that Richie sang. So that's very exciting. Some of the tunes that could be a possibility are tunes like Breakout, Too Young to Die. Um, just possibilities, guys. And uh, now break, break, Breakout was Todd, though, right, on record, but Richie sang it live? Yeah, uh, Richie co-wrote that song as well. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny because... Uh, yeah, with Eric Carr and Ace. And um, that always had kind of an immigrant song feel to me. Uh, and... Um, yeah, despite the fact that Todd sang that on uh, the first Frehley's Comet record, and Todd's great too, Todd Howarth, um, I always kind of considered that one of Richie's songs because he did write it, and then when he was uh, touring with AC, he always sang that too. Okay. So so that's cool. Um, not sure what's going to end up in the, the final set list, but, uh, but those are two possibilities. Um, there's going to be some stuff off of Space Invader for sure. Um, which is great, and then then all the classics. I think at this point, what, what's going to be difficult is 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 you know there are too many good songs that that the Ace wants to play, and I think it's going to be hard to like basically like cut ones out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Looking forward to that next week. Probably a few days after you hear this, will be the opening night of the Ace tour in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And I know he's doing two nights in the city as, as well as, as a bunch of other dates. So we're looking forward to that. And on that note, we will play a little Electric Wake. This is off of the Electric Wake record by Ronnie Monroe featuring Sean Baker on guitar. Also featuring Pamela Moore on vocals and Dave Rude from Tesla. Here you go. A little Ronnie Monroe with the song The Others. We are the others Waiting impatiently Train still not here Three hours late Now we've run out of beer Dinner my leather Our visions are ears The allegiance to metal Will always be clear It's the music that will die for It's the reason that we're here For the metal is a master. We've had Benghazi's ears. Stand and scream who you are. 
Church, a band that I claim to have discovered, <laughs> and I don't really mean I discovered them. Like I'm the guy that, like, uh, you know, signed Metal Church or first saw them. What I mean by that is something that's an inside joke in my hometown, where we had a you know a bunch of guys who liked heavy metal, and uh, the first person to come up with a new record of a different band, we called that discovering the band. Wasn't there like a funny thing once on Facebook that said I discovered Metal Church, which was totally false and it was a joke. I didn't write that. Not Facebook, uh, Wikipedia. Yeah. yeah, Wikipedia, yeah. Anyways, uh, Ronnie Monroe sang with Metal Church, you know, but not in that uh, initial beginning of Metal Church. Uh, I, I was into their first two records, and then I, I, I have to admit, I didn't really follow them much after that. But hearing this new solo record from Ronnie, Electric Wake, has gotten me really interested in the Ronnie... Monroe era of Metal Church, and I've actually been going back and discovering all that stuff, and there's some great stuff there, guys. So definitely do yourself a favor and check that out. Support Sean Baker. Go to his site. Check him out. Like him on Facebook. We'll have those linked through today's show notes. And that's going to wrap it up for today. I'd like to uh, mention that, according to Mitch LaFon, we were the number one hard rock heavy metal podcast on iTunes today in Canada beating Eddie Trunk. I checked in in the States, and Eddie was definitely beating us down here. We were number two down here. but So there you go, signing off from Canada's number one hard rock and heavy metal podcast. For one day. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll uh, continue holding the lead in Canada. Let's hope. Thank you, all our Canadian listeners. Thanks, guys. Uh, thank you to all the listeners as well, the U.S. people, the Canadian people, and people worldwide. Talking metal. Absolutely. Hey, we just heard a little Pamela Moore with Ronnie Monroe, and why don't we hear a little bit of her with Queensryche. This is Sweet Sister Mary. I feel the rain coming down. My face feels wet. My mind's storm. Flashing lights as people race to find shelter from the poor Moving silent through the streets, they're mine
sings praises in the hall To silly faces, hallowed be their names She can't recall Sister Mary, Virgin Mary Silent with her sin What are you doing, Evan She feels me, I can taste her breath when she speaks I've been waiting for you 